This is the Brisbane Football Review with your host, James Coglin. One of these days, I will master the ability to complete a sentence. Scott Owen. Right, what would I know? I'm just the weekend host around here. And Adam Pace. Look, I think of what other choice you have. Starting now. After last season's semi-final heartbreak, the Brisbane Raw are preparing for another season in the competition that is now known as the A-League Women, and we at the Brisbane Football Review are ready to preview the upcoming campaign. Hello, everyone. It's James Scott and Adam here with you on this Wednesday evening. As we're recording, you'll be listening to it a little bit closer to the season kickoff, and we're looking forward to another season for the ladies in orange and black. Scott, how are you? I'm good. It's been a long time since we saw the A-League women's side in action and looking forward to seeing them back in action at home in a couple of weeks. But first, looking forward to preview the season as a whole. Yes, Adam, there's been quite a few changes, not just for the Raw, but in the competition as a whole. Yeah, it's uh, been quite a task, I think, for all of us in football media and just fans in general to to eliminate the... the uh, Lexion of W League and to call it the A League Women. Which, I'll be honest, and I just want to put this out here as a disclaimer now, I'm probably going to wind up calling both competitions the A League rather than the A League Men and Women, which, look, isn't going to come from anything other than just general laziness on my part, but I'm giving them the same moniker, so we'll just move on. Either way, there is a lot to look forward to. We've got a new broadcast partner, which their broadcasting of the men's competition hasn't gotten off to the best start, but after some of the issues that were on Fox last season, I think it's fair to say there is a fairly low bar to clear, Scott. There is. As long as there's no hexagons appearing in the middle of the play or or random gentlemen with a tuba in the background, I'm sure that everyone would be very happy. Or just really, really shoddily produced games. Yeah. Because that was where the problems was last year, mostly with Fox, wasn't it? It was mostly in the women's games, wasn't it? The A-League the a men's games seemed to be okay, but it was the A-League women's games, or W-League back then, which seemed to, to really suffer the budget cuts. Yes, exactly. Uh, TV coverage this season, every game will be live on Paramount+. Plus. One will also be shown on 10 Bold, Sunday afternoon, 4pm Australian Eastern Daylight Saving Time. So if you, like most of our audience, are... Uh, operating out of Queensland. That will be a 3pm kickoff until about... Actually, no, it'll be all season because by the time Daylight Savings ends, I'm fairly certain uh, the season will have been drawn to a conclusion. It's also 10 teams in this season, with Wellington Phoenix being admitted uh, in September of 2021. And as of about 11am our time today, there's a new naming rights sponsor as well, with Liberty taking over. So it is the Liberty A-League women's i believe it's going to be known as and yeah i'm just going to probably still wind up calling it the a-league women's or a-league for the most part there are also four female head coaches taking uh the helm this season vicky lenton for canberra ash wilson newcastle Gemma lewis with wellington and Catherine Cunnelly with western sydney wanderers now if you are just tuning in for the first time whether it be on Clutch Radio, through the podcast feed, or on the A-League Live app. We are going to have a couple of quick plugs to get in. First of all, Clutch Radio, very pleased to be on board with them this season. Our email, brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com. Send in any comments, questions for the podcast, which will be airing first on Clutch every Wednesday, and then on the podcast feed 
on Wooshka, iTunes, Spotify, and several other good platforms. A little bit later on after that, some discussion topics, questions, and all of that. Facebook is The Raw Review, or you, though you can also get there via Brisbane Football Review. Twitter, at BNE Football. And on both of those accounts, you can find live coverage of every Brisbane Raw senior match, men's and women's, and select National Premier League fixtures as well. And that is done mostly due to the hard work of the other two guys on the show, Scott and Adam. So I'll give you guys kudos for the dedication there. Meanwhile, I'm just the idiot with the microphone that will be talking far too much over the next 45 minutes to an hour. Let's get into our team-by-team previews and start off with the Brisbane Raw because, well, who would have thought the Brisbane-based podcast would be wanting to focus on the Raw. It's a fairly hefty squad overhaul, starting with the coach. Gareth McPherson has taken the reins from Jake Goodship. And let's be honest, there's a fairly hefty uh, exodus of experience with the likes of Claire Polkinghorne, Tamika Yallop, Liv Chance, Isabel Dalton, and Caitlin Torpy all departing. All of those bar Torpy going for greener pastures overseas. However, what that has uh, opened up the opportunity for is several local players to get the chance to jump in to the mix, including Shay Connors from Lions FC, Holly Palmer, uh, spent time with Palabar after jumping up from Melbourne City, Jesse Raskett from Gold Coast United, uh, Nat Tatham, she was with Capalabar, although spent the last year recovering from a serious knee injury, suffered with Melbourne victory. Also got the likes of Rick Catano, Laney McDougal, Mia Bailey, Meg McElligot, Ish Norrie, Bella Shuttleworth, Cannon Clough, Holly McQueen, although she will miss the season with an injury. I just had my first Ron Burgundy moment of the preview, Scott. I suppose this uh, local's first approach uh, for this side, are you buying into it? I am buying it. I think it's an approach which can work very, very well for the Brisbane Roar in this competition, James. It's a, it's a competition. You mentioned the Roar have got a lot of experience. You can add Kim Carroll, like she's gone back to Perth. It's a competition in which in the last couple of years has seen a significant exodus of experienced players as the European leagues really start to ramp up their, their recruitment and their treatment of women's football as that begins to grow across the continent of Europe. The best players are heading in that direction. There's been a a mass exodus of players heading from Australia to European football. So across the board, there's been a lot of play- experienced players moving abroad, and you've got to get the players somewhere. And I think we've seen across the competition here in the NPL Queensland, there are a lot of really good players. We might talk about a few of them in a minute, but across the board, I think there are some really good players. And as one, Shay Connor scored 50 goals this year. So there's 51. plenty of players out there. 51. So there's plenty of players out there that you can find, and I think the Raw have done a really good job of accumulating the top talent from here in Queensland, and I'm intrigued to see how they go. Adam, it's, it is putting a lot of pressure on what is, I would say, going to be a fairly young squad, but it's not like they're missing all. Uh, it's not like they're missing veteran leaders. You've got the likes of Georgie Worth, who has plenty of uh, top-flight experience, and as well Katrina Gorry. Yeah, look, I think um, retaining Katrina Gorey after after her maternity leave, um, I think that was a a vital uh, bit of recruitment. But uh, look, I think I think that we I think as Brisbane Raw fans, I think for many years on the women's side, things we have been blessed with the fact that yeah you know, we have had and you know, many you know, Matildas 
uh, representatives. And uh, as Scott said, uh, finally Europe got their act together and started treating women's football like it actually mattered. And uh, obviously with the cash to go with it. Therefore, um, you, expect, you could expect that you know, there was going to be an exodus. But it's not only an exodus from the raw, but I think across the league, in general, that that the best players, obviously the Matildas, and I think it is an, almost an unwritten sort of thought that if you want to be playing in the World Cup in 2023, you ought to be playing at a overseas club, which has sort of left left the A League women's competition sort of you know, a bit bare. But then again, what an exciting time for, to be a you know, elite women's footballer in this country because you're gonna get opportunities, and for the for for a number of players, a good number of players who have told in the MPL Women's Queensland competition, they finally get their shot at the A-League, at the A-League uh, women's level, not only for Brisbane Raw, but there are a stack of other players across the league. For sure. And just on that as well, I, with their second place finish in the uh, season last year, it does feel like the Raw did get quite a bit of good fortune, you know, up to the finals, uh, in terms of being able to have the likes of Claire Polkinghorne, uh, Tamika Yallop, Isabel Dolson, a lot of those players who, due to the pandemic, probably weren't able to pursue that same level of uh, overseas opportunity that they've been afforded this season. Absolutely. You can add Emily Gillick to that group as well, but all, those players are always going to go overseas to ensure their national team ambitions were met, given we do have a World Cup in this country and a little over 18 months' time, so that was always going to be the case. But I still think there's some really good, talented players in this squad who have been around the A-League Women's Competition for the last couple of years who now get their chance to really step up. I mean, Georgina Worth, for example, was the backup goalkeeper for a few years, was the first choice for the majority of last year, will now take an even more important role this year as an example. So there are players who've been around the competition, James, who now who have been maybe bit part players or squad players, who will now get their chance to not just be that sort of player, but to actually be an important part of the side. So I think there's opportunities abound for a lot of players. For sure. All right. Um, for each of these teams, uh, we're going to try and go through, basically, why they'll be good and why they may struggle. So we, uh, while not recording, have spoken about where we think the strengths and weaknesses of the Raw squad lie. Um, and we'll go into a little bit more depth, but I think the three of us are on the same page where... Defensively, they do look a little bit light on at the moment, losing Holly McQueen to a serious knee injury in the final of the Kappa Women's Super Cup back in September really uh, will uh, hurt them at the back. However, I do think in terms of attack, with the uh, likes of Larissa Kramer, assuming she can stay healthy, Meg McElligot and Shay Connors, that's a pretty lethal, lethal front three for Gareth McPherson to have at his disposal. So, Adam, firstly to you, Talk about uh, where the raw strengths and weaknesses are going to lie. Uh, look, let's just talk about weaknesses first. Um, defensively, I think there's uh, a big weakness. And um, I, I think we, we, we were all there at um, Corporate Travel Management Stadium when Holly McQueen uh, was injured. And I think I think our hopes sort of sunk very, very quickly when we saw that uh, she that uh, when she, she had sustained a serious knee injury because I think she was going to be, even though she's uh, only 18 years old, I think she was going to be a very, very vital part you know, as far as defensively this side goes. But uh, losing her is a big blow. Um, look, Cannon Clough, her teammate and captain at the um, at Lions FC, I think com- comes in. I think she she will probably uh, combine with probably Jesse Rashford in, 
in the uh, in the center of mid uh, center of defense. Uh, Annabelle Haffenden also as well may play a role, but I think um, it is a little bit uh, suspect uh, as far as defensively. I think that might be their Achilles' heel. Um, on the attack wise, uh, having having an Asian Ashinori and uh, Katrina Gori running that midfield, that could be their strength. And if they can click, obviously then they can open up a very, very uh, potent attacking line. You know, with a Shea Connors and a Mariel Hecker, obviously, um, you know, there they could be beneficiaries, as well as Larissa Crummer, who is a former um, A-League Women's Golden Boot winner. Scott? Yeah, I tend to agree with Adam. I think the midfield's got the potential to be a really, really strong midfield. We know about what Katrina Gori can bring to a side given what given how long she's been a standout player in this competition. But even players like Adam and Isha Nori has been around the traps a fair bit, but also someone like Rika Katano, who we've all seen playing in the NPL for both Gold Coast United and South United in the last couple of years, can really step up and fill a secondary created midfield role in there and that can help unleash players like Marielle Hecker and, and Shea Connors and as well as Meg McGelligot. So that could that could to me can be the strength. The back line it it is the Achilles heel, but I think there's some potential there. When it's fit and healthy, to be a pretty good backline. You could probably see Natalie Tatham and Jamila Rankin being really solid fullbacks. Jesse Rashett's got a lot of experience. And then Annabelle Haffenden gets an opportunity to step in as a, a young central defender who can learn alongside of, um, of Rashett. Jesse Rashett. So I think there's potential for that to be a really solid backline, but it is the Achilles heel, there's no doubt about that. And uh, Annie Havenden also taking the much less travelled route of going from Melbourne to Brisbane. Yes, but she's a Queenslander, so yes. it's returning home. Yes, I know, but it's still just funny in my mind. Anyway, um, yeah, so overall, I, I don't think this squad is going to be, you know, perhaps as short-staffed as we originally thought. Um, but you look at that combination of Rika Tano and Ishinori in the midfield, I feel like that's going to be a huge... Um, at like huge asset because when you look at Gold Coast United's uh, twenty twenty NPLW Premiership, that combination was huge for them. Katano was running the show, Nori was uh, working really hard in the engine room, and you know then you also either throw in um, you know a Mariel Hecker in front of them possibly who can play either out wide like she did for the Raw last season or in that number ten role, and all of a sudden you've just got a really really lethal uh, setup in midfield. And we also haven't even mentioned two players who've been around the A-League Women's Cup with the Raw and other clubs like Holly Palmer and Anna McGrath, who I think there will be a lot of expectation on those two players to take a big step forward this year. Instead of being squad players, James, to be players who are capable members of the starting lineup. So you could potentially see a Holly Palmer sliding into that midfield and maybe an Anna McGrath playing in a wide role in the front third. So I think players like that, you can expect to see some... That can even add to that strength in the midfield area as well. Exactly. And obviously promoting the... Uh young talent as well. There were a couple of uh, injury concerns on some of the players at the end of the NPLW uh, season here in Queensland. Uh, Rika Tano missed South's final few games with a knee injury that thankfully wasn't uh, as serious as it was first feared based on uh, some of the reports that we were hearing. And then there was also uh, Holly Palmer missed Kapalabar's run to the grand final. She was in a moon boot for that, so hopefully that won't uh, rule her out of many, if any, games. But in the meantime, it, there is still plenty of talent for Gareth McPherson to call upon, and it feels like he's got enough established players to call upon in terms of, you know, just having that stable 11, and then there's young talent that he can 
bring through and give a chance to as well. But there will be plenty of pressure on him coming in to replace what was a fairly successful uh, tenure from Jake Goodship, Adam. Yeah, and look, that's going to be a um, big question. He, the guy from first has always been highly regarded in the coaching ranks here in this state. Um, obviously, assistant manager to um, to Malandretta when uh, Royal last picked up silverware, being the Premiers in 2018, I'm going to say. Was it, uh, I, yeah. yeah. 17-18 yeah. season. 17-18 season, yeah. So, and obviously as well, you know, being, you know, being at uh, at the QAS as well, where a lot of players, not only just in this in this squad, but also as well, have gone on to, you know, a bigger and better things, um, you know, have have come out of. So, um, yeah, look, I think his pedigree as a coach, I think, is 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 not a question. I just my feelings that you know, having so many sort of players that are unexposed at this level. Um, that's that's where sort of you know, I still think look at as a rebuilding season rather than a season where they can you know build upon a second place finish last season. Scott, uh, what what are your expectations for McPherson? I think he's under a really good job. He has he's got a lot of experience behind him, despite being a young coach. I mean, he has been to Adam's point the assistant to Mel Andretta, who's been coaching a lot of these players coming through the QAS setup as well as I think at Marsden High School their football academy he's involved there as well so he's got a lot of experience as a coach so I think he's I think it's a good appointment actually in terms of they've gone with a lot of young players at the Raw a lot of the moves he's coached and knows quite well so I think they're players that he knows and he's going to know how to get the best out of them I think it was a bit of a surprise to see Jake Goodship move on though wasn't it because it happened it just was a random it was out of Saturday the blue night it was out of the blue on a Saturday night like the a pressure has come out that Jake Guship has moved on. I don't think anyone's really truly expecting it, but the appointment of Gareth first, I think, is a really good one, and it can hopefully bring back some of the uh, the approach that was on, under Mel a few years before that. Yeah, uh, just a side note on the um, departure of Jake Goodship, I was waiting to pick up a pizza when it came through, <laughs> and my phone battery was dying, so I was frantically trying to message you um, while waiting for the pizza. Anyway, um, we will hear... What from- was on the pizza, most importantly? Meat. Lots and lots of meat. Don't, don't wa- As it should be. Don't, no pineapple, right? Don't waste my time with vegetables, fruit, or anything else on a pizza. Just give me meat. I have very simple yeah, yeah. tastes. Just just like I like my football teams to score goals. Revolutionary, I know. Anyway, um, we will hear uh, an interview with Gareth McPherson later on in the show, but if you actually want to go back um, through our podcast archives to the 20th of August... You'll actually find an interview that uh, we conducted with him just after his appointment for the Raw, where he talked about some of his coaching philosophy and things that he's hoping to bring to the Raw this season. So, subtle plug uh, to dig through the archives, and we can see the listen account, so we will find out if any of you actually uh, went back and listened to that interview. And James sits there and monitors this assiduously, so he will be tracking every single one that goes up. I have a lot of spare time all of a sudden, so... All right. Uh, so on the on the playing squad, though, one final note we want to talk about uh, before we go to our first bit of audio is leadership. Claire Polkinghorne was, you know, the standout figure for this side for so long, coming back um, and playing such a key role, you know, in not just the Raw, but football here in Queensland. But her departure has opened up a fairly massive void and the uh, pressure will be on the new leadership team to uh, fill that hole. And 
uh, we can actually, you know, talk about now because we we'll go to the audio of their press conference. The captain of the Raw this season will be Ish Nari, and the very experienced Katrina Gori will be the vice captain. And uh, we had heard uh, suggestions that it would be Georgie Worth. Uh, she'll probably be involved as well, being one of the now senior members of the team as well. But Nari, I love having her as that uh, leader by example. I think that's what she's going to bring to the team, uh, Scott. I think so. That's exactly exactly what will be leadership by example. I mean, and you can include Katrina Gorey in that as well. They won't necessarily be the most vocal players out there, but they will be leaders by example. There's also other players in this side, James, who have leadership qualities. You think about players like Marielle Hecker and Cannon Clough, who've been the leadership team of the strongest team up here in Queensland for the last two or three years out there at Lions SC. So while they may not necessarily be the leaders of this team by appointment, they are players who are certainly capable of providing that sort of leadership. So while they, while they have lost a lot of experience, the Raw, there are certainly players there who have those qualities. And that will be up to all those players to step up and do that as the season progresses. And I would also just like to point out that, uh, you know, Mariel Hecker with her fiery Brazilian personality... Maybe a good thing that she's not dealing with the referees uh, all too often because I'm fairly certain in her National Premier League's uh, career, at least, she's actually picked up more yellow cards for arguing the re- with the referee than any sort of uh, persistent or serious fouling as well. But, you know, that's what happens when you uh, have her there and that uh, fire that she plays with, which has served her so well throughout her career and has gotten, gotten her to where she is. Okay. Before we go on to the rest of the uh, A-League women's competition, let's hear from the two uh, captains of the Brisbane Roar. Wonderful. Hey, Shady, probably just to preface it, it's a really big moment in, in the club with its women's football. We've had a fearless leader uh, in Claire Polkinghorn who has assumed this role for 11 seasons. I think the club has spent no more than one or two other years without Claire as the club captaincy and its former... Uh, in its first year and second year and after that time she's had this role so I'd like to acknowledge the work obviously that Claire has done in this space Um, I spoke to her on the phone yesterday uh, around the decision and picked her brain uh, and was really pleased to hear too that uh, the people who were sitting next to me were were two people that were front of mind for her in the um, when asked around people who could could lead the team moving forward in the club so the two people sitting next to me, uh, both Queensland born and bred footballers, they've been a part of the club um, before. They are wonderful role models uh, and they're, they're open and honest and um, confident enough to talk frankly as well. And I think that's really important when it comes to club captaincy is that we have uh, strong, powerful people at the decision-making table so we can continue to move uh, the women's program forward. So moving forward into this season, we'll have uh, Ish Nori as the club captain for the 21-22 season. And a round of applause from everybody. Yeah. And uh, to support her with, with the experience um, and, and confidence as well that, that she brings will be her deputy uh, and, and her mentor in Katrina Gori. Yeah, sure. I guess I mentioned there um, the the person you're 
sort of filling the shoes of and Claire, it must be a great honour for you to, to fulfil the role given the standards that she's set, I guess, and, and the sort of legacy she leaves behind. Absolutely. Um, like Gareth said, Polks has been captaining for 11 years and um, obviously it's big shoes to fill, but I'm hoping just to um, keep it my way as well and lead the team with Minnie alongside me. So, yeah. Um, what, what, what about, I guess, how, how have you gone about bringing the squad together? We've seen a lot of turnover. It's not just Claire. There's a few other big names that are not here this year. I mean, how have you gone about yourself sort of making sure that everyone's coming together and ready for the new season? Um, I guess team bonding as well. We've done a lot of that in our pre-season and just gelling and getting together and getting to know everybody, um, all the young ones stepping up. So it's been great. Yeah. <laughs> what sort of captain? want to be known as? Um, definitely one that obviously leads the field um, on and off as well. Um, feel like I'm an approachable person and yeah that I'm transparent with the girls as well. Uh, season obviously must be excited to finally get some football underway. Yes um, yeah fly to Perth on Friday and you know hopefully get the win on Saturday which I'm confident in the girls to do that. Can you describe for us the process you have to go through. Perth aren't exactly the easiest place to get into. Is there some sort of testing or quarantine? Um, don't really know myself, but I'm sure we will do a COVID test. Um, yeah, I don't really know. So <laughs> I know that it's a long flight and we're just focusing on the game. Um, Katrina, like, what does it mean to you, given you've made the decision to come back and play and now you're sort of in a leadership role, what, what does that all mean to you? Yeah, it, mean, it means a lot to me. I think uh, this is my 10th ten, year in, in Brisbane and I'm really proud to be a, a Brisbane uh, born and bred uh, Brisbane player and uh, yeah, I was excited to come back um, for my 10th season and like Ish said, massive shoes to fill with, with Polks but you know, I've spent a lot of time with her so I've watched her um, grow into the leader she is so I'm hoping that you know, I can do the same. This is going to be a learning experience for me as well. And um, I'm excited to, to kind of lead this group. I think we've got an exciting group and, and new players and different personalities, which I'm really excited for. Um, I can't wait to, to, for the game to, to come on Saturday and I'm excited to watch them play. Given there is no Tameka, there is no Emily, there's no Claire, there's no Kim Carroll, like how much do you feel like you kind of have to step up in terms of bringing your experience and, and helping the girls, I guess, adjust to the step up to the A-League women's level? Yeah, I, I think we've got um, a bunch of individual players that, that are, are just as good, you know. They bring a different type of experience. They've all played at um, high levels and I think they bring different personalities. So uh, it is a new group of girls, but I think it's an exciting group and um, yeah, I think we're going to have a, a great season together and um, I'll try and lead by my experience but I know that there's quite a few others that have a lot of game experience as well and that's the main thing. Uh, Ish, has, has it been uh, helpful getting the squad coming together through pre-season knowing that most of the players know each other through the NPL Queensland ranks? Yeah, absolutely. There's heaps of um, players that have played along um, each other throughout the NPL so they know their strengths as well and then it's just kind of bringing everybody together and gelling. Gareth, was the decision all yours or was it a squad vote or how did you uh, make the call on who would be the leaders? 
Uh, this this time, so with, with the group of players, I think that changes with every team you have. Uh, we have a wonderful leadership group that involves seven of our um, footballers, and they're the primary um, group that we use for player voice into decision making. For this one, I asked the the staff. Um, we have a set of values. Asked the staff around who they feel would be the right people to both be the leader of that leadership group itself, um, but also with the experience and confidence be able to sit at a decision-making table with football directors and, and head of physios and, and have open and frank conversations about where we're going and what we're confronting. And so that was the process we used, staff input. Uh, and then I spoke to Claire as well, following that staff input and arrived at, um, at the decision. Katrina, returning to play after having a baby, how helpful has it been having the support network both with the Raw and at home, uh, allowing you to return to training? Yeah, it's been awesome. I'm really lucky with the support I have. Um, the girls have been amazing and the club's been really supportive of my return and uh, yeah, I've, I've recovered pretty well and, and excited to get back on the field and yeah, Harper's been a little gem for me so I appreciate her. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's exciting. Uh, I can't wait for this season. I think it's going to be an exciting one and I got a little support on the sideline. Are you are you expecting to feature against Glory? Where are you at with the sports? Like oh, it's a surprise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. It's a surprise. Yes. Um, Gareth, we talk about the change on the field as well, but I mean, it's it's, it's a new start for you in terms of the role and, and getting a chance to coach in the sort of elite tier yep. Australian women's football. How are you feeling? Couple of days out from first game. Terrified, <laughs> excited, uh, nervous, um, but I think I'm. I'm it's football. Uh, I love football, and I. At the end of the day, I think if you're not nervous about something, it might not matter as much. So um, we are. It helps us prepare. It helps us, uh, you know, observe everything that's going on, and so I've probably excited is coming to the the fore more than the nerves now. And as soon as as soon as we get there on game day, I mean, we've all done that lots and lots and lots, and it's going through our routines and going through all the preparation we've done. Um, so we can be confident that we're we're ready to go. Um, but yeah, look, inexperience I think as a head coach at this level, and that's why I've got people like these to to help me as well with their experience, and they're the people that I go to and ask about how it's how's our prep going, how's our review going, um, and so they're you know they're part of part of the team that I work with. Yeah, and, and we've seen the men's team obviously have a difficult start with things like travel and stuff like that. You, it doesn't get any easier for you guys having to go Perth straight up. The first, I, I mean, yeah, how are you, how are you I don't know if it's going to be as tough as what the men have had to do, um, flying in, flying out, and, and then the home quarantine in and all the bits and pieces. So Perth at the moment isn't a, um, a hot spot, and neither are we. So we're able to travel freely to and from. Um, we just need to have our water passes with us. It's as hard as it gets for us. Uh, the six-day turnaround with a five-day flight isn't optimal for recovery, but we have the benefit where the uh, two-night stay, where we get a good sleep in, um, we can you know have a have a lay-in, get some breakfast the next day, and then jump on a, a midday flight, you know, watch some movies and whatever. So uh, it's, it's it's not all doom and gloom. They've got to do the same thing coming back here. All right, that was the press conference as they announced the leadership group, and thanks to the Raw for their help getting that lined up now the rest of the league we've got nine teams to go through we will try not to drone on as long as we did uh with the raw because well let's be honest we're raw fans that is you know our area of specialty 
Uh, we'll go through alphabetically. Start off with Adelaide United, who finished last season in fifth place, just on the outside of the finals. A uh, couple of big losses. Maria Jose Rojas has gone to Sydney FC. Charlie Grant's gone to Rosengarden, Sweden. And there is one NPL Queensland connection that we were able to find. The prolific Morton Bay United striker, Georgia Beaumont, will go and ply her trade down in South Australia for the season. Adam, given you are the mayor of Morton Bay, unofficially, of course, still waiting for that recount on the election. What are you, what are you looking <laughs> forward to? it was rigged. <laughs> what are you expecting from Adelaide this year? Look, um, they, obviously they, they, they want to get the monkey off their back as far as uh, making the finals for the first time. So I, I think that's going to be their driving force is that they want to make finals. Um, as far as the balance of the side, they've got some, they've got some really good players. Obviously, um, they have re-signed, uh, Chelsea Dorber will lead that, lead the line. Um, but, uh, yeah, but also as well, balanced by that, Mario Jose Rojas, the Chilean, Chilean international, that's a big loss. So, say, same with, uh, Marley Weber, Mallory Webber, who's gone back to the NWSL. So, um, they've got to, like I said, they've got to balance the, um, the losses with the gains. And, um, yeah, it's. They, I think they they're gonna be right there in the in the uh, sort of the run of the finals. It's just whether they've got enough um, class, you know, to be able to get over that line and make the finals for the first time. Scott. Yeah, I think so. I think they might also fall just a little bit. So I think the players that have lost are really, really key players. You talk about two players like Rojas and Grant. They're really good players, and I think they're going to be. They were a big part of the reason why Adelaide was so strong last year, and I think not having those players this year, I think, could really, really hurt them. So I think they're they're really building to something over there in South Australia. But I think the competition for the top four spots in this A League Women's competition is that strong that if you lose a couple of players like that, I think they're going to really struggle. Well, not really struggle, but I think they'll struggle to make to push for a top four spot. Moving on now, we've got Canberra United. They did make the finals last season before losing a semi-final to Sydney FC. Uh, coming in, the likes of Alira Toby from Sydney FC and more recently Olympic. Uh, Keely Richards, the Logan Lightning uh, shot stopper who has been largely superb throughout her local career. She will be uh, back there as well. And then a few other key ins as well. You've got uh, a couple of players coming in from the NWSL, as well as Margot Robin from Melbourne City. So, Scott, go to you first yes. this time. Canberra United, can they back it up and make the semi-finals? They have a very good chance. They've got a couple of really good experienced players. You didn't mention Ash Sykes there, who's come back to the Aliguins competition after a couple I'm of years. I'm giving you away. a another, chance to introduce new players <laughs> Another as really well, good right? experienced player for them, for Canberra. Their, their question will be at the back. Can they replace the likes of Jess Nash and Jesse Rashford, who were part of that backline, which made the finals last season? I think going forward, they'll be really, really strong with you. Michelle Heyman will probably have another really, really strong season in front of goal, but can they keep enough... Can they hit the goals at, at the other end to potentially make the finals? Have to wait and see. Yes. Adam, what are you expecting? Yeah, I, think, I think for Canberra, um, the biggest loss for them in the back line will be Kendall Fletcher. Like she was the heart and soul of, of that team last season that pretty much um, got them to the um, to the semifinals. Uh, but look, uh, it's going to be... I'm very, very interested to see what uh, the the uh, American players, uh, Ali Haran and Chelsea Washington, what they can do as far as 
villain side, and also as well, Michelle Heyman, if she is anywhere near the form that she was in last season, um, look, Canberra could go close to actually being contenders for, for some silverware. I'm I'm actually backing Canberra to be uh, much improved this season as well. And yeah, it really does just come down to Michelle Heyman. When she's on form, no one's stopping her short of... Uh, adopting the late career Lucas Neal school of defending, which is basically just pushing the striker over. I thought it was I thought it was um diving in rashly in the penalty area in the last minute of a World Cup round of sixteen game. Look, can we please not bring that up right now? All right. I've got to, <laughs> I've got to get us through the rest of this show. Okay, last If I thing... don't make jokes I'll start getting angry about things like that. Okay. <laughs> Fake laugh hiding real pain. Melbourne City Last season that was uh fair to say the dynasty came to an end with a seventh place finish but they have gone about trying their best to bring things back and they have uh recruited arguably the uh story of the season with uh, rebecca stott back in action as well adam yeah look if nothing else seeing rebecca stott the uh new zealand international i think yeah she, she, she is um yeah um no it's just a She's a dual citizen actually now, apparently, so she doesn't actually count as a visa player. But um, yeah, seeing her back playing after her battle, her battles uh, with cancer, I think um, that that amongst all else, that's, that's just such a great story. But um, look, they have recruited very, very well. Hannah Wilkinson uh, is a massive signing from as far as experience. Another Kiwi international who will bring a lot of experience to this side, and also as well, they've um, taken a liking to. Um, to the MPL Queensland players with um, with Winnie Heatley, Misha Westland and Coco Machstarovic uh, from Lions FC all making their way to Melbourne City amongst some other you know, top-line players. Yeah, firstly, it is great to see Rebecca stop back playing football after what she's been through. So that's absolutely fantastic. Hopefully we see her on the field in round one or if not round one in the near future. But James, Melbourne City have done what all good Victorian sides do, don't they? When they've had a, a, a poor season... Look north. Head for the recruitment in the north in the north here in Queensland. That's absolutely what they've done. Adam mentioned most of the players. I've also got Caitlin Torpy, who's obviously a former Raw player. Rihanna Polisina, who's played in MPL Queensland mm. up here, as well as Rebecca Stott, who was at one point in the Raw extended squad, as well as Winnie Heatley. So they've got a lot of players who are from this part of the world. I think they'll do quite well, though, actually, in Fantasy Melbourne City. I think this is this is it, though, for Rado Visit. This has to work now. Otherwise, I think they might be looking to go in a different direction. But because this is a football club, James, which from day one in the A-League Women's Competition have set the standard from them from when they joined, I think they will be expecting finals at a minimum this year. At an absolute bare minimum as well. But, um, yeah, the signing that I both love and hate the most out of this is Winnie Heatley because you look at the hole that the Raw have in their defence. It is, for all intents and purposes, a Winnie uh, Heatley-shaped hole and she could have been that perfect like uh, fill-in option for um, Holly McQueen, or possibly even you know starting ahead of her if the two were both healthy. And you know, since the first game, um, first Lions women's game that I did um, that she played in 2019, I've been like very high on the future of the defender slash occasional central midfielder. I just mentioned three other players whose connections to Queensland football we haven't mentioned. You've also got Leah Davidson and um, what's the other player from Perth last year who came over? I've got, I'm blanking on that. Letitia McKenna. Letitia McKenna. So there's also there's another, and Chelsea Blister who played up here mm. for Lions as well. So it's a side which is, for our Queensland listeners, chock full of names which you will 
which you may well recognise from the MPL up here in Queensland. For sure. Let's stay in Melbourne and talk about Melbourne victory. They won the grand final in insanely spectacular fashion with the uh, Kyra Cooney cross goal from the corner in the 120th minute, where, let's be honest, I think uh, victory were very happy to avoid penalties there. So the question is, with a few key outs, including uh, Lisa Devanna, Angela Beard, um, and Annalie Longo, are you guys expecting uh, much from them? Scott, we'll give you first crack at the victory. I am expecting a fair bit from them. They're still a really good side, and they're well coached by Jeff Hopkins. So any side coached by Jeff Hopkins in this competition, you are insane to rule that side out. They have also brought in a couple of really good players there. Courtney Nevin, who we've seen the last couple of weeks in the Matildas side. Casey Dumont is back in the competition as a goalkeeper, she will add a tremendous amount of experience at the back line. And there's also some sneaky rumours going around. They may be about to announce the signing of Lynn Williams, the US international in the front third, which might, yeah. which would just do, which to go quite nicely to replace that Lisa Devanna size hole in the front line if that were to happen. So I don't expect them to slide too far at all, Melbourne Victory, and I think they'll be in the in the mix once again. Yeah, well, I suppose we do have to mention a couple of rumours because we are recording this good 18 to maybe 24 hours before the show comes out. And given how things have gone on the Brisbane Football Review in the last six years, I can guarantee there will be at least half a dozen signings announced tonight or tomorrow morning, Adam. Uh, yeah, just just uh, bear with me. I'm just rewriting that based on that rumour alone. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, look, um, yeah, that was, I was going to actually say that, um, again, like like some of the other clubs, their losses are probably more telling than than their wins. Um, obviously, Lisa Devanna, who was absolutely immense, especially in the final series, she almost single-handedly tore... Um, the roar apart in that semi-final up here at uh, at Richlands and and yeah I thought that maybe she's be hard to place but look Lynn Williams we've seen her before in the in the um, A League women she she's an incredible player and did start for um, for Team USA in the recent uh, international friendlies so if that, if that rumor is true um, all of a sudden they may be really back in uh, contention as far as defending the title uh, but also as well uh, they. Yeah, look, they're, they're just, a, like I said, any Jeff Hopkins side is always going to be formidable. So I think they're definitely contenders again. For sure. And uh, the only NPLW Queensland connection that we have been able to find is uh, ex-Souths player Harriet Withers, which, considering, you know, the victory, have to uh, sign a few more players to meet their quota of Queenslanders. Now, There's plenty of ex-Raw connections there anyway. They're fine. Yeah, that, that is very, very true. Uh, Newcastle Jets last season finished in eighth. Just two wins and one draw. They've gone and recruited a handful of international uh, players, as well as bringing back Sonny Franco, who I think may have followed one of the most bizarre transfer uh, setups last season after playing was the entire regular season with Newcastle. Bar... Was it the final game where she was signed signed for the Raw essentially no, no. as a free agent? It was signed for the semi-finals. There we go. Just that one game. It was a a very very short term thing when Sonny came up and played the, the one game for the Raw in the final. I think started that game and got subbed off. But yeah, that was it was quite bizarre. I think it's very unique in world football. And and I imagine that loophole, if it hasn't been closed, it probably should be because it was quite bizarre that you could play a full season for one club and then just transfer for the finals 
Yeah, although that that being said, that was also, I think, in part to cover for the fact that the Raw were losing essentially the entire spine of the team with Polkinghorne, Gilnick, and others taking up overseas contracts before the transfer window slammed shut. Adam, what are you expecting from the Jets? Look, um, for me, they're the X Factor um, club of the competition. Uh, it, it could all it could go well for them, or it could go all horrible. I think it all comes down to uh, their, their um, signings. Uh, Norwegian international Mari Markison, I think, is going to be a big, big um, part of that. But I think also as well, the one thing that Newcastle has as far as a uh, big pro for them would be that they had 11 re-signings, which basically means stable squad for Ash Wilson to pick from. And and the usual and the usual suspects are going to be back again for Newcastle. They, they did finish uh, eighth, which was, I think, a bit disappointing with only two wins. But they're, they're a better team than that. And I think these additions um, to their squad as well, and very, very little uh, loss, only uh, Tessa Tamplin, who... Um, who will take her swearing over to Sweden, uh, to, sorry, to Switzerland, and uh, and uh, Rihanna Paulsina gone to uh, Melbourne City. But other than that, it's a very, very stable squad. So I think they're a dark horse. Hopefully taking her good football as well as a tendency to profanity over to Europe with her as well. But I think that in general, this is a side which is a pretty solid side. You're right, Adam. It's going to be largely dependent upon the visa players, as I said, mostly with actually the Newcastle men's side. Actually, it's a... So, which is pretty solid, but it'll be the success of Rollers will be dependent upon the visa players. The one thing I'm ex- expecting, though, James, is whenever they play the Raw, it'll be an absolute arm wrestle because every single time the Raw play the Jets, it's just one of those games which tends to, no matter if you think it's going to be a comfortable match, it never is. So, I imagine this will be the same once again. Yeah, Fair. Claire, Claire Coelho seems to grow, uh, grows longer, longer legs and arms whenever she plays against the Raw. And like she, she's a quality goalkeeper, but I think against the Raw, especially, she's always lights out. Something about the orange, perhaps. And also, I will say, considering they are largely reliant on the performance of their new signings, as any Jets fan will attest, when do things go right for that club? Hence, hence the reason why I said it could go <laughs> really, really well, really, really bad. All right, Perth. They had one of the youngest squads in the competition last season, and it showed with just one point all season and a last-place finish. So they've gone and rectified that by signing Lisa Devanna as their main acquisition of the off-season, while also bringing back experienced defender Kim Carroll, as well as Suzanne Fonsoncam from Western Sydney Wanderers. I think I got that name right. Apologies if I didn't. And a couple of other key players. Scott, Perth. Please yeah, tell me they'll be better. Experience of the, haven't they, Perth, Glory? I mean, Lisa Devanna's off-season has been well-documented given her issues that have been that have come up. We won't go into any of that. But, you know, on the field, Lucy Devanna is still an absolutely outstanding footballer, as we saw in the semi-final, where she was the outstanding player in the semi-final against the Brisbane Roar up here. And it's a it's a side <laughs> Perth glory, which is... When they've, when they've had... Previously, when they've had Sam Kerr, they've been competitive. When they haven't had Sam, they've struggled. Maybe Lisa can go some way to helping to rectify that, because as a player, she's got unbelievable talent and experience. And Kim Carroll will also help solidify that back line so maybe we can expect to see a bit of a stronger showing from the from the west this year we can only hope adam yeah uh look lisa's divan's a big signing uh for for them i uh, just wonder if uh that's enough as far as 
uh, sort of rebuilding. I think that they're still going to be rebuilding. They're also probably going to run to the same problems as their men's team will and probably play a lot of games away from home, which uh, is going to be pretty disruptive. Um, also as well, their international sign, My Left Jans from uh, Visjo in Sweden, I think is also comes with a decent pedigree. So, uh, look, they may, they may be a few top players um, short as far as, you know, being in the finals reckoning, but whenever you got Lisa Devana in your team, in your team and starting and playing well, look, you just never know. Exactly, and I do. I, I think it's fair to say, you know, running through these squads as it stands, it has the shape of a season that really could go either way for quite a lot of these teams. One side that it probably won't go either way for will be Sydney FC because they have somehow managed to strengthen after their premiership winning season last year having fallen short in the grand final. The key ins, Paige Satchel, Jessica Nash, Maria Jose Rojas, and Sarah Hunter. Yeah, good luck slowing them down. That's all I'm going to say, Adam. Yeah, look, I agree. It's like, in typical Sydney fashion, like they're on their men's side, um, yeah, just when you think that they've uh, sort of come to the end of that dynasty, they just go and re-sign. Obviously, uh, we, we talked about Jessica Nash. Obviously, she... She could be anything as far as a defender, only 17 years old, a huge prospect in Australian women's football at the moment. Uh, Paige Satchel, the New Zealand uh, international as well, also uh, will bring some experience, as well as uh, Maria Jose Rojas, who signed from Adelaide United. And they and that just strengthens up a really, really potent attacking line with Remy Simonson and... Um, Princess Sabini, and look, I think I think they're going to be again contenders if if uh, everyone stays healthy. Scott, I would dearly love to say that this is the year Sydney FC missed the finals and the other women's for the first time, but realistically, you can't say that. I mean, the squad they've put together is really really impressive. They have been up the top for the last years, but they've also they've also managed some some change here, which will hope which will unlike their men's side, hopefully allow that team to. To regenerate, players like Claire Wheeler, Teresa Polis, and Liz Rolton have all been key parts of that side down there in Sydney. They've all moved on, but to Adam's point, they've brought in some really good players around the competition who've shone really well. Maria Jose Rojas was a big part of that Adelaide United side, and young players like Jess Nash and Sarah Hunter coming in and will also be really, really strong for them. And maybe they can get the bandwagon that Sarah Hunter seemed to have at um, Fox Sports to, to um, over to the Sky Blue half this year. You, you just so that, never know. I, I'm fairly sure they mentioned that about 755,000 times that, that Sarah Hunter was a young player making her debut against the Raw, didn't they? Something like that, At yeah. least. That was the first half count. I stopped counting at half time. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Now, one team there is absolutely no form line on is the Wellington Phoenix because this is their first season in the A-League women and... That is the start of what sounds like it will be a bit of an expansion process for the competition. Every uh, men's club will add a women's down the line. So I suppose we can't really talk too much about uh, Wellington because, well, frankly, we just don't know how they're going to be uh, set up overall. But starting with you, Scott, as I see Adam typing away on his keyboard, uh, how quickly is this side going to gel? That's the main question I've got about them. I think Adam's quickly Googling who's playing for Wellington this year, but I think... <laughs> no, I was actually covering up a typo. <laughs> we've all wanted to see Wellington in the A-League Women's Competition for a few years now. It's exciting that they are here. Now, unfortunately, I don't think they're going to be able to play 
many, if any, games at home in New Zealand. Hopefully, maybe they can at the back end. We'll have to wait and see. But you're right, it's a very difficult team to get a read on because a lot of these players are players who play domestically in New Zealand who we've never seen play before. It's not a team full of internationals at this point. Maybe maybe in a couple of years' time they can get some of the New Zealand internationals into that side. But it'll be interesting to see how they go. But it's a they're the complete X factor, aren't they? They could be... They could be really good. They could be behind the pace. I'll just have to wait and see. Adam? Yeah, um, they've got a couple of, like Lily Alfield uh, comes across. Um, she will be the inaugural captain for Wellington Phoenix. Uh, again, uh, New Zealand born, which is, is a, a huge um, deal for them. Um, yeah, again, I think it's a case of you, you just don't know. You just don't know um, where the relative strength of the uh, the Women's National League in New Zealand compared to uh, the A-League women has. Um, I think it's just going to wait and see. Uh, the, a couple of players that sort of come from outside that New, New Zealand uh, top top flight, uh, Grace Yale, who comes from Wake Forest in, in the uh, US, Isabel Isabel Gomez uh, played for Western Sydney last season, and also as well Jordan Jasnos, uh, who is a uh, young Matilda, and also as well featured. Uh, I think last time we saw her play was in the um, Queensland vs New South Wales um, games last year. So she, she's a player of um, tremendous promise. But uh, yeah, on paper, uh, it's going to be it's going to be a tough season for Wellington, unfortunately. I, um, Unless, unless there's some real, you know, diamonds in the rough that we just don't see coming, uh, coming out of New Zealand, yeah, I think it's going to be a tough season for them. For me, it's how they finish the season. It's going to be a rough start, especially establishing a new club, um, or just an, an overall team identity as well. So, I'm yeah, for me, it's going to be how they're going to perform in the final five weeks rather than the first, uh, first couple of months. Now, uh, the last club, and we will quickly touch on the Western Sydney Wanderers. Uh, Tegan Allen is going to be a fairly big uh, in for them, Scott. She will be a very important player in that side there. They've lost a couple of key players though as well with Courtney Nevin, Susan Fonks and them, Sarah Hunter out. So they've lost a fair bit of quality Western Sydney. I'm not sure what to make of them. I mean, Bella Habuda is down there from Gold Coast. You know, we know what a great player Bella's been up here in the NPL for the last couple of years. Hopefully she can bring that goal scoring form there for the Wanderers, but I'm just not sure what to make of this side in terms of they're not the same team from the early years where they struggled, but they're also not the same team where they had that really strong American connection where they've powered into the top four either. So I think they're probably about mid-pack, but we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, that's really all I can see uh, from it as well. What about you, Adam? Yeah, no, I tend to agree with that. Um, yeah, I the, the again, the... Um, I guess they're recruiting. It it seems to be more of the same. I, I don't see any real standouts. Other, Tegan Allen's going to be important for them, but I don't know if she's going to be enough to sort of get them from uh, sixth spot last season up into uh, the top four. So I think it'll be another mid-season. Uh, but uh, Catherine Canuli, uh her, her first season as the coach, I think she'll, she'll also add something as well, I think, to that. A, a very, a very, very sound um, football in mind. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, look, uh, I think yeah, Wanderers, I think they'll, they'll, they'll sort of, I think they'll struggle, but they'll be some mid-pack. Former Raw player, Kath Canuli, of course, well, 13 mm. games for the Raw back under Jeff Hopkins a few years ago. So, former Raw player now coaching, James. There you go. Another good, uh, another good sign for the pipeline here in Queensland. Now, 
uh, we will get on to our season predictions. And uh, just quickly say, uh, Scott, what's going to be the story of the season? I think it'll be a very intriguing season. I think it'll be a very even season, but I think it'll be a season where it's more of the same. Adam? The teams that we saw were really strong last year will continue to be really strong. Wow, it's amazing how much Adam sounds like Scott there. <laughs> uh, well, God, I hope not. Um, <laughs> look, I think I think this season, it's, it's a watershed season for the A-League women, I think, because I think we are going to discover a few new stars that are going to come through. I think the players that we, we know, that we know... Well, they they're gonna they're gonna perform, but I think by the end of the season we're gonna we'll be talking about a few players that we just did not see coming as far as you know taking a starring role in the league, which that can only be a good thing. So that's my season prediction. Yeah, I think it's I think it's going to be the uh, highlighting of the local talent and the pathways that the NPL has provided, uh, especially from a raw perspective as well. But they've they've decided this is the direction they're going, whether or not it'll work. That's anyone's guess. But uh, the good news is we're going to move on now to our ladder prediction, so we're not keeping you for too long. Now, which one of you two is going to go first? <laughs> I can see the fear in both of your eyes. Adam. Nah, no fear here. Alrighty, so from top to bottom, uh, in 10th place, Wellington Phoenix. Uh, 9th, Perth. 8th, Western Sydney. 7th, Brisbane Raw. 6th, uh, Adelaide, 5th Newcastle, and my top 4, 4th Sydney FC, 3rd Melbourne Victory, 2nd Canberra, and Melbourne City will return to their place as the Premiers. Scott? Well, that's Adam Band from Raw Women's Training for the foreseeable future then, but for me, I've got Newcastle in 10th, Wellington 9th, Perth 8th, oh, hang on, yeah, bottom to top, Newcastle, Wellington, Perth, Western Sydney, Adelaide, and Canberra missing the finals. And fourth, Brisbane Raw. Third, Sydney FC. Second, Melbourne City. And top of the table, Melbourne Victory. I'm not betting against Jeff Hopkins. Fair call. All right. Uh, mine from bottom to top. Wellington 10th, Perth 9th, Newcastle 8th. It's going to be a bit of a gap. Then you'll have Western Sydney, Brisbane. Sixth place for Brisbane. Fifth place, Adelaide. Those three sides will be grouped pretty closely together. And then I think the top four are going to run away with it this season. Uh, but the race for the Premiership will go down to the final round of the season. Melbourne City in fourth place. Melbourne Victory in third. Canberra in second. And then Sydney FC retaining their Premier's plate. However, come finals football, I'm going to take Melbourne City to win the grand final in a derby. I, I never, than... I never, I never offer uh, finals predictions because, quite frankly, it's a different season. Oh yeah, I'm expecting either of us to be excited by the prospect of an all Melbourne grand final. Well, you I know, think I you're could... on the wrong show, James. No, well, think about it. An all Melbourne grand final that means it's going to be at least sixty six point six 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 percent Queensland representation. That's true. Mm. <laughs> That's true. All right, uh, the Raw will kick off their season in round one when they take on Perth Glory. Saturday evening at a ground, uh, Macedonia Park it is listed at, uh, on the Brisbane Raw Women's website. Now, uh, before we get into that? that... I'll tell you where it is, actually. That's a great question. It's the home of Sterling Lions. The Raw Women have played oh, there once before. Okay. And they won by five goals to two back in season two, I think it was. So, <laughs> And no, I didn't look... And yes, I did look that up two minutes ago. So, I don't remember that by heart. I looked it up two minutes ago, but they have played there before and won, so... 
Fingers crossed I can repeat that. A quick peek behind the curtain. The three of us actually were having trouble finding the official uh, location of the uh, match until just about then. So, anyway, that is kicking off in three days and 59 and a half minutes from now as we are recording. I had a chance to speak with Gareth McPherson to get his thoughts on the upcoming season as well as round one. Gareth, a couple of days out from the start of the new A-League women's season. How confident are you feeling in the squad you've assembled? Super confident. They're a, a great bunch of uh, people. They are uh, coming together uh, very well. They have come out of, almost all of them have come out of wonderful seasons. Um, nine, ten months of football in our, in our WNPL competition or, or from interstate. So they're all fit and healthy. Um, yeah, we're, I said we're, we go into every match uh, confident that um, we're, we're planned better, we're prepared better than the opponent. So we're really looking forward to kicking the season off on Saturday. And you spoke of the recruiting of the uh, NPL women's competition. Does it help having those players that already have the established relationships like Shane Cannon from Lions or uh, Rian Ishinari from Gold Coast United in 2020? It does. It does. Players playing together, they learn each other's strengths. They learn what uh, their individual traits are, what where they like the pass to be played. Um, it's kind of that. It, it allows them to speed speed things up. Um, and we've obviously taken that into account when when recruiting, but also in how we set up as well. And just in terms of that uh, recruitment. You obviously walked into a fairly unenviable situation, basically having to rebuild the squad after a number of experienced departures. Uh, you've been able to welcome back Katrina Gorry. How big of a role do you see her playing this season? Katrina is is a, a superstar. Uh, she has played at the highest levels. Um, she's scored goals at the highest level. She's won trophies. She is she's part of the the fabric of the club. This is her tenth season as well. So. We've had a decade of, of mini. Um, her experience will be invaluable, but the one thing that um, she brings to every team is her energy and her positivity, and uh, that in itself um, is is just as valuable as uh, I think the experience she brings. And uh, obviously got a little mascot as well with the club now. Yeah, yeah, Harper's wonderful. So I think they, she is now part of the team. Um, it was an unknown going into how how, do, how can we best support Katrina and, and help her feel safe um, and, and welcomed and uh, allow her to thrive. Um, she still has her sights set on playing in World Cups and, and our role is to help her step in that direction. So uh, it's been, I said, we, we've kind of just we sat down and planned out um, bits and pieces, um, separate rooms for her and the nanny, uh, a little bit of di- some different routines, perhaps different routines on travel days. But there's also been things that have popped up along the way. We hadn't done it before and we just talk open honestly and we've just figured out things as we, as we go. And another player that I think we're all looking forward to seeing this season is Mariel Hecker. She had a fairly impressive debut season for the Raw last year. Can we expect more from her in 2021-22? I would think so. I mean, I would not like to be... Uh, lining up against her on the field, I I, um, I admire her winning mentality and, and and her ruthlessness when she's out there, and she's got the skill set to to back it up. She's come in really fit, high level of conditioning, lots of games under her belt, and she's she's an extremely 
game intelligent player, understands um, the game re- really well, and that enables her as well to be very uh, versatile in where she plays. I think you would have seen in the season just gone, she's been playing as a central midfield more so than as a wide player. Uh, so she, yeah, she can assume different roles on the field because of her game intelligence. And that versatility seems like something that's going to permeate through the whole squad. How flexible are you planning on being on game day in terms of approaches to the different opponents? We'll, we'll have our way. We, we want to play a brand of football that fills stadiums. We want to be exciting. We want to be positive. Uh, we want to dictate the game to the opponent and not let the opponent dictate the game to us. And there will be... Um, I think you should see a flexible um, team in how it approaches and throughout a game uh, the the structure or formation will, will change based on what the opponent does where we're, we're uh, looking to build uh, intelligent footballers that understand how to win space and understand how to deny space when we don't have the ball and so that in itself should lead to flexibility and change in how we approach a, a problem on the field uh, so there, there should be, oh, short answer, lots of flexibility, I would think, yes. <laughs> and uh, filling stadiums, you've obviously got uh, one of the most vocal uh, support groups in the league as well. Uh, how much are you looking forward to having the Raw Corps at your back this year? I love the Raw Corps. I still have my shirt that they gave me uh, in their inception, the first year in their inception. I remember the they presented the players and the staff at the time at uh, Suncorp Stadium with a, a shirt and I still have it. I still wear it around. We'll wear, wear it in the hotel. I'm, um, I love hearing the songs. And you go to sports matches to uh, hang out with friends and family and, and watch, a, um, you know, watch a spectacle. And that adds to the, the atmosphere. So it, it's a wonderful to have who I think, I believe, are the envy of all of the other women's teams in the competition. It's wonderful to have that community support behind you, the the noise and, and the passion that they bring, uh, the team feeds off. All right, well, we're looking forward to seeing you in action this weekend against Perth and all season long. Best of luck, and I'll look forward to speaking to you again soon. Wonderful. Thank you. All right, that was Gareth McPherson. I'm sure he is very, very excited for his debut as a senior manager with the Brisbane Raw. History against Perth is pretty good overall. Uh, played 16, won 8, lost 5, drawn 3. 36 goals for, 23 against, with a goal difference there for a plus 13. Scott? Yes, and they've also played 16 times, as you mentioned. They've played at 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 different grounds in those 16 games. Would care to try and name all 12 grounds, James? I'll tell you it's 6 and 6, if that helps you. I'll have a crack at the Queensland grounds. I'm going to say uh, Morton Daly Stadium. Nope. Not Dolphin Stadium. Lions. Yes. Corporate Travel Management Stadium? No. Do you want to just give up on what we're to tell you? Yes, oh, because we are Suncorp. running short. Suncorp so, okay, Stadium. played three at Suncorp, one at AJ Kelly Park, one at Ballymore, one at Lions, one at Park de Paris, and one at Cusack. I, yeah, okay. There you go. How about that? I'm um, not named. I'm not trying to name the six uh, Perth venues. Well, you might have pay someone. I will pay someone if they could name them off the record. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah, that, that is not an official uh, promise of uh, financial reward for being able to Google these six venues that the Raw have played Perth. <laughs> exactly. I just have to get... It's to... a bizarre one, isn't it? 16 games have played 12 different venues anyway. Yes. A, okay. A complete different tangent. From the Raw perspective, 
Adam, we'll go to you first. What are we expecting from the Raw in this season opener? Yeah, look, it's a difficult one. Um, I think as, as with all season openers, you just I think you expect a good performance to start off. This is a very, very new squad. It's, new, it's a new side, therefore... Um, you just want to see some cohesion. You want to see it. You see, you want to start seeing what they can sort of produce as as a team without putting expectations on you know a big result or anything like that. It's it's gonna be in the first few weeks. It's gonna be telling, especially a home and away ties pretty much against Perth, um, who we we think that you know will be probably probably you know still a bit weaker as far as you know the the competition goes, having only one. Only drawn one game in their last twelve. So, um, look, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be going to be very very interesting to see where what happens. And I think um, this home and away ties against Perth, I think, will shape you know where where they're at as far as the season goes. Scott, they have played a couple of games so the Raw, so they should have some familiarity with them with in terms of with their teammates and stuff in terms of cohesion. So they played the game against um, the MPL All Stars as well as a game. One against the Olympic FC and maybe one other in addition to that. So they played a couple of games. So they should be relatively, they should at least have some familiarity with each other. More to what Perth have done in terms of their preparation. It's hard to tell from this side of the country, but I think they should be able to do that, have that. And the Raw have typically done pretty well away to Perth. And if they're going to have a good season this year, these two games are games they've just simply got to have, James. So I think that's the mentality they have to take into it. Yes, it's round one and it's. Just feeling it, filling out the competition to a certain degree, but this is a game the Raw have to have if they're going to be in the mix of the top four this year. Well, as you mentioned, this is actually the start of uh, back-to-back matches against Perth Glory, and in t- well, on our regular podcast, we have spoken about what has been a pretty harsh uh, opening to the season for the Raw's men's side. I'm expecting the women to take advantage of what has been a pretty fortuitous opportunity. Um, for them to start the season with back-to-back victories. I'm expecting them to go to Perth, take care of business, maybe not in the most glamorous or flashy performance, but I'm expecting them to do enough to come away with three points and then come back home, and we'll talk about this on our regular podcast uh, before to uh, next Wednesday. I'm expecting them to start the season with six points. I don't think that uh, the drop-off is going to be as severe as we might have first feared. They've recruited some very strong talent from around the local competition, and players that have resumes at this level. And I don't think Perth are as drastically improved on uh, last season as perhaps one might hope, aside from, obviously, uh, Lisa Devanna. And I'm expecting them, uh, the Raw, to yeah take care of business. That's basically all I can really uh, land on for that. The other games coming up in Round 1... You Yeah, we all went through what we were expecting. Uh, other games coming up in Round 1... Friday, Wellington against Western Sydney. Canberra taking on Melbourne City. Saturday, Sydney, Newcastle, as well as Perth, Brisbane. And then Sunday, just the one women's game, Melbourne City against Adelaide United. So, so Melbourne so, victory, that should be. I see, again, Ron Burgundy here. Congratulations, me. And I should not. I should you not. could have thrown Adam under the bus, then. You just missed the opportunity. So that was me. You would have thrown me under the bus. Yeah, but... <laughs> Honestly, if I had have thought about throwing Adam under the bus, uh, I probably would have. And now I kind of wish I did. Yeah, I'm, I'm too quick for that bus. <laughs> All right. All, all my uh, long black is just wearing off. I might have to go get another coffee or just go get some dinner. And I think we might wrap up our A-League women's season preview here. Scott, thank you very much. Final thoughts on the coming season. 
Should be another fantastic season. And yeah, the wins, and yes, it's definitely time to wrap it up. Adam. Yeah, look, I agree. I think uh, it's going it's going to be an exciting season uh, as as a whole. Maybe not as maybe not as exciting for as Raw, but um, yeah, look, I think we're gonna we're gonna have plenty of stars. Obviously, in a very important time for women's football in this country, for sure. And if you have been following the NPL in Queensland, I think you're going to really enjoy getting to see some of these players getting the chance to shine on the national stage in orange and black. And also, just one final. Uh, point from the three of us as well. Um, if you can, get out to the games. I know the Raw are going to be playing their home games at a couple of different venues as the season goes along. Get to the ones you can and support them in person. Get behind the Raw core as well. And in the meantime, enjoy the football on TV this weekend. We'll be back with our regular show on Wednesday as we prepare to recap round three of the men and round one of the women. This has been the Brisbane Football Review. We will talk to you then.